after a couple of years of being cocooned, we're all ready to get back out there and get back to normal and get that pace going on. And there's so many changes though happening with 2022 and things aren't going the way expected and things are shifting and changing and there's lots of chaos. And are you trying to hold it all together and make it all work and force it into being? And if you are, you might be heading towards a burnout. Today's guest, Dr. Sharon Grossman, is here to talk to us about how to crack the code of burnout and so that you can find a way to live in harmony with all the aspects of your life. Tune in to find out more. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join Soul Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to CarrieHummingbird.com. K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com forward slash membership and sign up. We'll, we'll see you at our next tribe gathering. gathering. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome everyone to another week of Soul Nectar show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, the great mystery beyond the veil to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably into a deeper understanding of ourselves when we're willing to step into that mystery and take the journey. And a lot of times we're not really willing to step into the mystery and take the journey until we're already burned out. <laughs> and we're kind of like, well, this sucks. I give up. And then we're willing to take the journey. Then we're willing to, to see what happens. So today, uh, I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. Of course, you guys know that if you're listening week after week, but just in case you're brand new and you, this is the first time you've heard my voice, hopefully I'm not blasting your ears out because I'm still learning how to adjust my microphone settings so that it's pleasant to hear my voice over the airwaves. Let me know if it's still too loud. Just give me some feedback and I'll adjust it again. So just letting you guys know that um, this is my jam. You know, I love talking about all things essence. I love talking about mystical conversations and really woo-woo stuff all the way down to like, hey, how do you deal with yourself when you're burned out? How do you deal with yourself when you're in some 60-hour a week job and you're stuck in an office under fluorescent lights and you're sort of chained to your computer or going to those meetings that seem to last forever and you just wish you could get out of them, but you can't because you're supposed to sit there and listen to all the little tweaks and everything that everybody has to say and just wondering like how you can escape this reality. Well, you can escape the reality. You just have to make a big change. So today on the show, we have Dr. Sharon Grossman, who is a success coach a speaker and author of the Amazon bestseller, The 7E Solution to Burnout. She helps high achievers crack the code of their burnout so they can find tailored solution for recovery. So if you tried workshops and therapy and feel like nothing sticks, then she can really help show you how to transform your relationship with your work 
by working on yourself instead of trying to change your job or career. Because in fact, how you do one thing is how you do everything, which is quite fascinating. You can actually start, you know, changing everything up and go, wow, life is really different now. Just because I worked on myself. She's got a weekly podcast, Decode Your Burnout. And I'm on there for, I have my five minute solution. That was really hard for me to be in five minutes because y'all know, like I go on for hours on this show. So I was like, wow, this is a test. So welcome to the show, Dr. Sharon. I'm really glad to have you here. Gary, it's my honor and pleasure to be here on your show. I'm super excited to be here and really talk to you because I love your energy. I love what you do and what you bring to the world. And so bringing both of our expertise together is a lot of fun. Yeah, it actually was great for me. It was a great challenge because you were like, you're going to have to say it in like five minutes. Can you do that? And I was like, oh my God, this is, oh, let me try. <laughs> I'll see if I can do that. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I chew around the edges and then it's like an hour. Uh, oh, I hope you guys got something out of that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you because I know that you've had to have gone through some burnout in order to teach us about burnout. So how did you get started realizing that this is your life's work? Well, it's funny that you say that because if you asked any other burnout coach, pretty much they would all tell you, yes, this was my burnout story. And as a result, I've recovered, I've learned some things and I'm here to share my lessons with the world so that I can help them prevent burnout. And my story is actually quite different. Ah, So I didn't actually have a burnout. So it's a different kind of arrival, if you will, in this place. Really, I was a psychologist. I was working for a nonprofit and I decided that I wanted to move to my next position. And as I started to look around for what other options exist out there in the world for me, I realized that none of them actually were a fit for different reasons. And I would say this, I was leading with my value of lifestyle. I really wanted to have more of a balance. And a lot of these places either demanded working late hours, nights and weekends, maybe a long commute and having to sit in traffic. And it just felt like not something that I was excited about, or it was just the wrong population. And so after exhausting all of my options, I realized that if what I want doesn't exist, then I have to create it. Yes. You have to create it, be a creator and like make your own little niche. Exactly. But what happened was when I was in grad school and I'd go to these conferences, one of the things that really stuck with me was how they would talk about burnout for psychologists, you know, sitting in an office all by yourself in private practice and seeing patient after patient and just burning out. And I was really resistant to doing this. I was, I didn't want to be a statistic. But after I'd exhausted all these other options, I realized, well, okay, so if I have to create it, then I'm going to have to just do it smart. And that's where I was very intentional about the way in which I set up my practice. I set it up where I was walking distance from my gym. I made sure that I had a big gap in the middle of the day that I could go and work out and have time for lunch. I would chunk my clients together where I would see a few and then do all of my notes so that I never had work that I had to take home. And in a sense, really worked in a way that worked for me, right? So I wasn't working late hours and I was making sure that I was taking care of myself throughout the day and just doing all the things to make sure that I'm working smarter. And then 
at some point in this process, I really got excited about coaching and I started doing some coaching on the side. And at some point I decided, you know what, I really want to switch over completely into the world of coaching. And if I'm going to do this, then I'm not just going to be this generic life coach. Like I want to be really specialized. And I had to think about who are the people that I love working with the most. And I realized it was those really high achievers who are the go-getters, who are motivated. They show up with a lot of energy. They're excited about the work, as opposed to some of the other people that I was seeing who were just checking the box by showing up. And that was as much as you can get out of them. And I decided like, I don't want to work with people like that, right? I think if you want to avoid burnout, you kind of have to be aligned also, not just with the work that you do, but with the people that you work with. Because there's so much of an energy exchange, as you know, when you're working with people. Oh yeah, totally. If you have somebody that's not really invested in the work, it's kind of dragging a donkey behind you that's like got their feet racing into the dirt. Like I'm not going to go, but I'm going to show up every week, but make no changes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that if I could get to choose who I'm working with. And that's the thing about coaching is you get to actually choose, which is lovely. So I thought, okay, well, what do these people struggle with? What can I help with given my 20 years of experience in the field? You know, how could I take all of my expertise, my tools, my knowledge, and like help these people with one of their problems? And I realized that a lot of them deal with burnout. And I didn't know a lot about burnout at the time. I started kind of looking into it, reading about it, saying what else has been written on the subject. And what really struck me at the time, and this is a few years back. So at that point, there was maybe less written on it, but it was mostly focused on organizational change, right? So it was very much about you as an organization have a responsibility to your people and you need to do these things so that your workers don't burn out. And I thought, well, that's really noble. But if I'm the person working at the organization, I can't afford to sit around and wait for them to maybe make a change. And I thought, well, this is really disempowering. That's where coaching can come in and we can work on an individual level to help people figure out how to become more empowered, how to take back control over their lives, even when maybe things at work aren't ideal, right? How can they cope? How can they manage their stress and not burn out as a result? So that's kind of what set me on this path. Yeah, I love that because you're actually leading from a place of I've got things I already do for myself that I practice regularly and I can share some of these ideas with people that really need them because they're in these environments where they don't have as much control. Being an entrepreneur gives you a lot of control over your hours that you work, when you work them, you get to choose who you work with. I mean, you also have these other aspects of being an entrepreneur that are pretty challenging because that revenue stream can dry up. Like if you get sick or you're not feeling your best, right? So that makes it even more important to be in a flow where you're taking good care of yourself, right? So that's, that's fascinating. So wh- how, do you, how do you see the main thing is that people are dealing with when they're working in a, like a job, a corporation, something like that? What's the main problem that they're facing? We could probably take this in a few different directions, but I think they all end up in the same place, which is a lot of it has to do with your relationship with yourself and whether they're burning out because they're perfectionists or because they're people pleasers or because they have something to prove. People burn out for different reasons, but I think ultimately it comes back down to 
what you believe about yourself. And too often I find that people have a lot of limiting beliefs that make them compensate by doing all these other things. And then they become overwhelmed and stressed out and they don't necessarily make the connection between the two. So they're very focused on the surface level of like, this is what is expected of me, or this is what I think people want me to say yes to, or if I don't do this, then this is what this person might think about me. Or there's always these ideas, but they're so kind of surface level. And my job is to help them dig deeper and figure out what underlies that, right? So if you are afraid of setting boundaries, what are you worried would happen if you did? And what would it mean about you if the person had a thought about you that wasn't pleasant? And it's so interesting. Like I was having this conversation with one of my VIP clients yesterday about how she was afraid that if she said no, somebody would think that she's not a nice person and they would leave her alone, right? So she happens to be a physician and she says she gives away a lot of her time and energy to friends and family and they'll call her up and they'll say like, oh, I have this rash. Like, can you just take a look? Like, it's not, it's no big deal. You know, you already know what you're doing. Like, you know, I don't have to come in, make an appointment and do all this stuff. Like, we could just do this quickly, right? And she says, people don't understand that it's more than like me just taking a quick look. Like, there's more steps that I have to take. And it is her personal time. But she has a really hard time setting the boundary and saying no. And I asked her, well, what are you afraid would happen if you did? And she said that they would maybe be upset with her and then distance themselves from her. And what was so funny about that was she said, actually, that would be a nice thing because then they wouldn't be bothering me. And like, you know, like, (laughs) no, we're so afraid of is actually the thing we probably would like. So I thought it was kind of ironic. (laughs) It's funny. I think you're right. A lot of people, like I used to be one of those yes people that thought I had to do it all and do it all perfectly and not push back if the deadline was sort of crazy or the expectations were too high. I would just try to get it done somehow without making any kind of problem. But that leads to a lot of stress, actually, when you don't speak up for what you need. And there's a, I find a lot of, I guess maybe because I'm tuned in more to women, don't really know how to ask for what they need. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is our programming. You know, you're kind of raised to have this idea of you have to be the caretaker, you have to say yes to people, you have to take care of everyone. And I think along the way, we forget that we're also human, that we have needs, that we're important. And We try to be so noble, taking care of everyone else and leave ourselves kind of on the back burner. And that just doesn't work. So there's a lot of mindset shifts and belief changes that have to happen for people to really transform out of this place that leads them to burnout. Whether it's, you know, if you're a perfectionist and that's the reason you're burning out, then it's about things that have to do with your view of yourself, if you see yourself as inadequate, not enough, you're going to be overcompensating for that by trying to do everything on the outside perfectly. But what is missing there is that even when you get it done, it doesn't change anything about how you feel internally. And so we're always chasing something external and that in and of itself is exhausting and can lead to burnout. And really what we need to be focusing on is 
all of these negative beliefs, the self-criticisms, the ideas that we have about what it means if we're not perfect and how we're seeking other people's acceptance of us by doing these things when in fact we don't accept ourselves and that's the only thing that's going to move the needle. That is so true. I mean, that that right there is powerful. I mean, that's like please your remedy 101 is to just start saying the thing that's actually going on and just kind of breathe yourself through it. <laughs> because maybe like what you're afraid of isn't actually going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of things, stories that go on in our minds about what we think other people expect of us or how we think people would react if we said no, or all of these things are just stories or just a bunch of stories. But if you don't advocate for yourself, you end up in that constant spiral of chasing, 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 doing, 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 and not actually just stopping and going, wait a second, do I even have to do this? Like, is this even true? I mean, maybe I just told myself a big story about I needed to do all this. But if I actually just went and said, hey, this isn't working out for me, how can we change this? You know, this is what my needs are. What are your needs? And then we can come up with something that works for both of us. That's like so much more grounded. I mean, I used to be the uh, epitome of pleaser, you know, and what I found out about being a pleaser is at least to a heck of a lot of resentment. Mm -hmm. And then the resentment spills out and people are like, why are you being so mean? Because you're always so nice and you're never mean. And then all of a sudden you're being mean and upset out of nowhere and I'm confused. And so it leads to like confusion because people don't understand why all of a sudden you're resentful when you were just fine all this time. But they don't know that what was happening is you're just stuffing it all underneath and just trying to like ignore it and make it go away and just kind of like smile your way through it. There's a few pictures of me right near the end of that period of pleasing where it was like I had the plastic fake smile that was so rigid because it was holding back like decades of anger mm. that I wouldn't just I wouldn't express. Yeah. I mean, I read these letters. My mom brought these letters out the other day that I wrote to my dad and to my mom all these letters, I'm reading this stuff. I'm like, was I always this nice? Like I was so like, everything was like over nice, over pleasing. Like, oh, thank you so much for like sending me a card. It's like the best thing in the world. It's amazing that you exist. And like, I would say these things. I mean, I know that I was in psychotherapy for 20 years and I would still be sending these long, like you're so wonderful love letters to everybody else. But like to myself, I was not taking care of me. You know, I wasn't speaking up for what I actually needed. And I was, I had a boiling river of lava resentment <laughs> underneath that would, that would shoot out in these moments of tension when I couldn't stop it. When I was like overstressed or overworked or like putting too much pressure on myself, trying to be so perfect and do everything right and not make anybody upset and adhere to all of these stories I told myself about how I needed to be in relationship with other people, right? It's so hard. So how, I mean, I know how I had to go about, I mean, I basically had to go, well, I'm just going to have to tell what I actually think and feel. That was so hard. How, yeah, how do you help people? It well, does. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason why we show up as pleasers, if, if that's the direction we're going right now, you know, because again, burnout happens for so many different reasons, but for pleasers, it's this notion, or even for perfectionists, it's really, it's just another form of pleasing. Yeah. Um, right. It's about finding ways that other people will accept you because you see yourself as unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's externalizing that through your work, through the things that you do and saying, look, I made you this perfect thing. 
And it shows you how I think about you and how I, th- I think you're like amazing and I put you on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you feel so amazing because of everything that I'm doing and saying about you, then you'll accept me. And then maybe then I'll feel good about myself. Yeah, there's that pedestal thing, like placing people on a pedestal. And then that's why I don't like it. I, I don't let people place me on a pedestal because I just tell everybody like my mistakes. I'm like, hey, you know, I made a mistake. Here's what I did with it. I made a mistake. Here's how I corrected it. We have to be able to talk about those things in that way because we're all equal. If we start putting somebody on a pedestal, they're going to fall off eventually, you know, and then we're going to be all disillusioned and everything else. So I've seen that same pattern of like you were talking about the perfectionist. That happens. A lot of women also feel like they need to prove their value, like in a corporate sense. And that leads to total burnout because you're trying to like do 5 million things at once and manage your household and men, if you have children and manage your kids and do this and do that. So that's a lot of balls in the air. Where do you help somebody start to like kind of focus in maybe on yourself? Well, as we just mentioned, there's usually some sort of belief that fuels a lot of these behaviors. And so we want to get to the nitty gritty. We want to see like what is really going on there. And when you see it, like I just did this exercise this morning with one of my clients. When you can understand that what you're facing over and over again is a pattern, it's really helpful because, you know, when you're not in coaching or in therapy and you're kind of just trying to make sense of your life, you see everything as these fragments of your life. Like this is a story, this is an episode, this is a circumstance. And you don't see the connection always between the things. And one of the things that we talked about this morning in our session was how whatever she's currently facing right now, because she's this like really burned out veterinarian who dropped out temporarily from work because she was that perfectionist. She wanted to save all the animals. And then she had this one episode where an animal died and she took total responsibility and she was just absolutely shattered about it that she could not continue to work. We brought up so much anxiety that it's going to happen again. And she had so many, she was just filled with all this self-criticism about how she's not doing her job and how she doesn't deserve to do this work, but how she, on the other hand, has to do it because there's all these other animals. And so she's got all this pressure and it's just like constant barrage of negative thinking and pressure and guilt and shame and just everything, right? And then when I kind of was reminded of an episode that happened when she was in her 20s that she told me about where she was this professional skier. And at some point after spending years and years honing this craft and almost getting to the Olympics, but having some sort of an injury and having to drop out, how she beat herself up about that. And we were able to see the parallel between the two things and how, regardless of what it is, if something doesn't go perfectly according to her plan, it always comes back to, it's because I'm weak and I'm not good enough. Yeah. So always beating herself up for whatever's happening. Like you're like, as this third-party witness, which is like, I think the benefit of therapy or coaching, right? Is like, you're like this third-party witness, not invested in the story, right? Because you're not living that story. So to you, you're not emotionally usually attached to that. It's like, okay, this person is going through something. I see they're going through it. I really, I honor that they're going through that. But I have this other perspective and your mind's like putting things together. Yes. How they all relate, how the story and... It's like amazing to me how people's lives are actually stories. Like it's a collection of stories. 
and they all seem to fit a narrative. And so when you can crack the code, like you're, t- I like your crack the code on the narrative, it's like, oh, this is the narrative that you're, that's playing your life. So do you want that narrative? But you have to be this not, you have to be this sort of objective other person just witnessing the story and then knowing how to interject that bit of wisdom, you know, so in a way that's not going to freak people out, but help them to see, oh my gosh, I'm creating this story. And do I want to keep creating that? So that's different. I mean, I feel like coaching and, and psychotherapy are really different models. Is that why you switched to coaching? I switched to coaching for a few different reasons. As I mentioned, I like the idea of being able to choose who I work with, to have it be really specialized and to expand my reach because when you're a therapist, you can only work with people in your state. And as a coach, I can really work with people anywhere. And so I have clients in the UK and Canada and States. I can work with people wherever, you know, wherever I choose. And that's really freeing and lovely because I can have a bigger impact. And especially as we get into more like group coaching, you can have more of an impact than just working one-on-one. So I think there's a variety of reasons why I like the coaching world. And also because I don't really play by the rules of therapy, I guess you could say. Like I like to do my own thing, right? And I think a lot of the things and the tools that I teach my clients didn't come from my schooling. It came from me looking for solutions based on what they were struggling with and helping them build a toolbox and then really seeing what worked, what didn't work so that I can pass it along to the next person and continue to build that repertoire. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. I feel like for me, my sort of experience being on the other side of the couch was like therapy was sort of in the weeds, totally in the weeds of my story week after week. And like big emotions and story and all of this stuff that just sort of like didn't really seem to push the needle any one way. I had one therapist that that did sort of was a little bit more coaching like that that pushed the needle a little bit. But I also self-selected, you know, so I want to say like we self-select who we're going to work with. We don't even know we're doing it, but we like somehow select somebody that's going to keep us right where we are and week after week, or we select somebody that's going to help push us forward, right? But it's all depending on if we're ready to grow or not, because if we're not, we're not going to self-select that that one that's going to move us forward. We're going to self-select somebody that lets us stay in our story. But like a lot of therapy for me was that weeds, you know, like down in the weeds. And when I started moving with coaches, spiritual coaches and such, I started getting like this, oh, wow, big picture. Oh, that's okay. I'm seeing where I've been stuck and walking around and uh, dead end. And like, okay, I want to move out of that now. How do I do that? And that's the space of coaching, I feel. Yeah. And also as I was learning new things, especially energy tools and things, I would bring it to my therapy clients, kind of using them as guinea pigs, right? And, um, you know, some people are open to it and others aren't, but I feel like it's not a very traditional therapy model. So I felt like I can do whatever I want that fits for me and my personality and my understanding of what it takes to bring all these different pieces together for people in the coaching that I do. Right. So I don't have to worry about people not being open to it or whatever, because it's just like any other business, you attract the right people. And if people aren't into energy tools or they're not into my personality or any other aspect, they're not going to sign up with me. 
So I'm not really worried about it. But as a therapist, I was always kind of like, are people feeling comfortable with this? Because they really signed up for therapy and I'm doing this other thing with them, you know? Exactly. It's also a model. Like it's a, it's a system and it's got lots of legalities and things all surrounding it, which are constrictive of the evolution of the therapist themselves, your own evolution of, Hey, this is very, this is, this thing's working. Like I found this new tool and that's creating a lot of shift for people. So what's the end goal? Creating the shift or following the rules? And I think you decided to create the shift. <laughs> yeah, so. and it's, it's nice not to have <clears throat> to report to an insurance company or, uh, ha- you know, having to do these kinds of formalities that require you to renew somebody's ability to be able to continue to see you. Like, it's just, it's refreshing to have people that say, you know what, I believe in this work and I will pay out of pocket to help myself have a transformation. It's a different energy than when people show up, somebody else is taking care of the bill and it creates a lot of passivity is what I found. It does create passivity because you can just keep coming without any kind of results. But when you have to pay for it out of your own pocket, you want results. Like you're like, listen, I'm coming in here. I'm paying for this out of my own pocket. I want to be sure that I'm actually shifting my life. Like, because that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have a mixed bag, but as a therapist, I would see people who I would say, do you remember what we talked about last time? And they'd be like, no. (laughs) Right. So there wouldn't be really continuity or I would give them an assignment to work on in between session because that's where the magic happens and they wouldn't do it. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I, I didn't have time or, you know, they'd have a lot of excuses. And I find that my coaching clients, I can give them three assignments and they will do everything. Right. And they show up and they're like, this is what happened. Let me tell you. Right. Yeah, it's also the way that you cut you set your customer avatar because you're like, I would like to work with people that are high achieving and I actually want to, you know, they want to avoid this burnout and they want to have a better life. And so you're finding those people and those people are like all in, you know, they're like, Yeah, I like those people too. <laughs> they're fun because they actually they are do so work. Much fun. Yeah. So I used so to fun. I used to be one of those, you know, I'm actually getting ready to get my nerve up to go do some speaking about this, but I you know, I used to be the the diagnosis that the therapist would be like, oh, you don't want to work with that person ever, you know? So they had diagnosed me borderline personality. And I think it was just that I didn't want to change. You know, I wasn't ready to change. I was like, kind of like enjoying my little victim story, you know? So I was like, I don't want to move out of this. I'm getting a lot of benefit from this. And then finally, it didn't benefit me anymore, right? I got to the end. You always get to the end of the road where that story doesn't benefit you anymore. It's just depending on like how long is it going to take you to get to the place where that story no longer benefits you. And then once you get there, you're willing to change. That's what happened to me. But I just needed different tools too. I needed energy medicine. I needed like spirituality. I needed, there was just out of the box, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, could, I don't think I would have ever gotten there with straight therapy, like psychotherapy as it's defined today. I would not have gotten to my healing with that model. That model was there to support me through my understanding of my pain, but it wasn't actually lifting me out of that pain. So I love that you're talking about bringing in these energy medicine tools and these practices and being fearless and courageous with like sharing things with people to see what, you know, like they're your guinea pigs. Let's, well, we're going to try this and see if this gets you some shift. And if it gets you shift, then it's great and it works. And if it doesn't, we'll try something else. But that fearlessness, that being willing to try new things. And that's kind of how I healed. I finally said, okay, I'm willing to heal. And then I met the teacher that helped me heal. So there you go. But until you're ready, you just have somebody kind of 
coming to meet you every week going, oh my God, I'm going to sit through another hour of this. I often think about those people now and I send blessings in, in retrospect. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to me all those years where I, I, just ha- I just couldn't get out of my story. You know, I didn't want to leave it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think it becomes a crutch. You know, we talked about like the client can show up and it's just a checking of the box of, you know, I come every week. And sometimes the therapist can easily fall into that as well, where it's like, you know, I got to pay the bills. So I got to keep seeing these people. And I just didn't like that whole notion of it's the same old, same old and nothing's happening. Like it just doesn't match my personality. So I like action. I like people to move. I like to see people invested and motivated. And even if they're struggling, it's okay as long as they're doing more than just showing up, right? Because I can't fix you. You have to fix yourself, right? I'm here to guide. And so if you're not going to spend the time on yourself, and that's sometimes hard, Carrie, because people (laughs) people don't believe that they're important. So they're actually fighting themselves as they're trying to change, right? You have this voice in your, in your head that says, kind of like you were talking about, you don't deserve anything better. You're not that good of a person. You're not important. Your needs don't matter. And then this other voice that says, enough is enough. Like, why are you doing this? Like, let's move on. There's so much potential waiting for you. And don't you want to be happy, right? And so you've got these two conflicting (laughs) sides. And at some point you have to just decide, you know what, I'm going to start to ignore these voices that hold me back. And then even though they're still there, I'm going to choose to focus on moving forward. And having that session that you know you're coming to can serve as accountability because you know, if if you get on a session with me, I'm going to ask you, did you watch that video? Did you do that exercise? You know, did you take the assessment that I sent you? Right. I want people to make progress. I'm not here to waste anybody's time. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I love it. You know, I think it's all valuable. And I, for a little while, I thought of those 20 years as like a waste of time. You know, I was like, wow, I just wasted my time. But I see in retrospect that I actually learned a lot from that experience. And I learned about how my mind works and all the little yes. tunnels and how all the little tunnel leads to that tunnel leads to that tunnel leads to that tunnel. And then I feel like this. And so I learned like how all those little tunnels connect and bring you down, you know, into like this really awful place within yourself. I learned all that. And now I know how to sense it with other people. So it's, you know, part of me wishes that I had been able to choose a, a coach sooner, right? I had been willing to choose somebody sooner that would have pushed me forward more, you know, instead of letting me wallow. I sometimes wish I would have chosen that because then maybe I would have had more presence like with my kids and things like that. So there's some deep regrets there, you know, in that form. Mm-hmm. But also I learned so much about human psychology through, from the inside out. It was like, wow, this is how people get stuck. So now I feel like it's all part of the journey. And I, I love Richard Rudd. I, you know, I'm really into the gene keys and I love Richard Rudd and his three, his three words are allow, accept, embrace. I think there's such wisdom in that. It's like allow that this was how it was, embrace it, accept it. There was a purpose to it. And if I, you know, if I was meant to wake up sooner, my soul would have like interjected something. I would have had some interrupt, something would have happened to get me on the, the path. So I needed to wallow for a while to understand how humans get so saturated by suffering. 
And now when you choose to change, you can. That's like, uh, that's why I have this podcast week after week is because I want people when they finally get to the place where that voice is winning, the one you were talking about that says, stop, you know, stop wasting your time. There's so much more of life to live. Like you don't have to wallow in this anymore. Then you find Dr. Sharon's uh, podcast or you find mine and you find endless stories of success and getting yourself out of that dark place. That is what I love now. It's like, because I know there's just a bunch of people in the queue right now, especially with COVID and all the stuff that's happened. There's this like, it's ripe, Dr. Sharon. It's ripe. People are ready to stop suffering. Yeah. Well, you know, burnout has gone through the roof throughout this whole period of COVID. And so I think there are many more people who are waking up to the fact that they weren't happy. They were kind of simmering on a low flame for a long time. And finally, something started to boil. And I think that burnout, as hard and as difficult as it might be, is actually a blessing for a lot of people because it took a lot to wake you up. But this is your opportunity to start doing things differently. And we're seeing that. We're seeing the great resignation. People are leaving their jobs. We're seeing people move all over the country and start their lives in different places. We're seeing people start businesses, pivot in their businesses, doing all kinds of things as a result of the changes that have happened in the last few years. And while nobody would have really asked for these changes... And many people were actually afraid and anxious about them. I think there was so much good that has happened because it's it has been this wake-up call for everybody. It's been this whole opportunity to reevaluate your decisions and say, like, do I want to be married to this person? I don't even like them anymore, right? <laughs> or do I want to work in this job? I don't even want this career. I don't, I, you know, I came into this because my parents wanted me to be a doctor, but it's not even a good fit for me, right? Or there's so many things that we're seeing now with people actually taking back the reins and making decisions that are suitable to them that maybe they wouldn't have given themselves permission to do before. And I think the same sort of thing happens when people burn out and are in that process of recovery. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, I want to add one more thing to that list is like anybody who has a unicorn child who became a teenager or a young adult during this time you might have started realizing that this kid actually knows something. This kid's like, yeah, I'm not going to follow that system. No, I don't want to do that. That's not for me. There's another path and I'm going to follow it in the wild woods and I'm going to find my way. And they drove us crazy when we thought we wanted to keep the system in place. But now we're starting to see the wisdom of these kids. Like they're not going to get stuck in the same place we got stuck. Like they're not going to go do that thing. So I think COVID is beautiful for so many of those reasons. It's like giving us an opportunity to slow down, take another look. Because we were so on the frantic wheel of like keeping up with the Joneses and having impressions and making sure everybody thinks we're, you know, whatever we are (laughs) so we could be successful. And now this whole thing just got leveled. So I think it's good. I know people are suffering. I'm not a proponent of people suffering. However, I personally know that suffering leads to breakthroughs sometimes. So I say yes to it. So how do people get started with you? I know that you have your, you have your podcast, Decode Your Burnout. And for anybody who's listening who loves my long, long, long conversations, but like, gosh, I can't listen to them all the time because there's so much time. You should be happy because Dr. Sharon's are like very short. So like you can definitely listen on the way to the gym, you know, like. Well, <laughs> I do. I do want to say, Carrie, that there was, I have two podcasts. Okay. okay. 
So the one that you were on is actually called Exhausted to Extraordinary. Those are the really short snippets. So that's Ah. seven minute interviews and we're on the clock. And those are for people who are looking for tips in all different areas of life. The Decode Your Burnout is really more specific to burnout and decoding people's stories based on their programming, their environmental stressors and their personality and how those things really contribute. And that's because, as I said, people burn out for different reasons. So the reason I started that show is because I want people to find the story that resonates for them. If you know your burnout story, Carrie, resonates with a listener because it's a very similar sort of a story, then your tips for recovery are going to probably be more suitable to them than somebody else's version of burnout. And so that's really another version of empowering yourself by finding those custom tailored solutions as opposed to just everybody just go on vacation. Yeah, I went on vacations. I went on plenty of vacations and I still burned out because I'd be on the vacation like trying to please everybody. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the things that I actually talk about is that when you don't really understand what's contributed to your burnout, but you're just really reactive in terms of finding a solution that you think is going to help you, what happens is even if you recover, because nothing's changed in the way that you approach your work and your life, you're going to burn out again and again. And so I've talked to people who've had like three burnouts. That's totally possible. I mean, yeah. That's why what I call it is shadow work. So we have to get down. When I started the energetic school training and all of that, they were like, okay, we're not about the trees and the fruits. We're about the roots. So we want to go yes. all the way into the roots and find like the deepest root of where that thing started, which might be your ancestry. It might be another life. It might be some little thing that happened when you were three. We don't know what it is until we get in there, you know, in the shadows, in the darkness. We hunt around we find the thing. And then we change the whole pattern, which changes the whole thing which is cool. I love that. Yeah. So we do very similar work from that perspective. Yeah. And you know, it's more fulfilling for the practitioner, I think, than listening to someone's story. I love everybody that's listening to this. And if if you were like me and you sat on a couch and droned on your story for like an hour, I so was there with you. And I'm so glad somebody listened to me for that whole hour (laughs) of droning. But on the other side, I would say it's much more fulfilling for everybody involved in that therapeutic relationship if we're not doing a whole bunch of droning and storytelling. You know, if we're just kind of like, okay, this is what's going on. Cool. Let's like elevate this, take a look at it from another angle, twist it around, do some meditation, some hypnosis, some, that's more, it's more fun for everybody. It's more fun for me. It's more fun for you. Yeah. You said something in the beginning, Carrie, about finding the right person for you. And I feel like if, as you described your story, you weren't ready for change. I was not. Then it makes sense that you picked someone who's just going to sit there and listen to you. But I know I have all these years of working with clients. I'm not that kind of a therapist, right? So if you would have come to me, I would have been like, all right, let's talk, right? Like I, I would not <laughs> have like, sat there and listened because that's just not, <laughs> that's just not how I operate. So it really depends, right? And I have a client now who is in therapy and she said, I need something more. And so she also at the same time signed up for coaching, right? Because she wanted more movement. She wanted more action. She wanted things to start moving for her. And the therapy was just a little bit more stagnant. Okay. So it's not necessarily either, or for some people, it's both. And it can be both. And, and it's good to see yourself. So something I said today triggered you like to realize, Oh my God, I'm just like sitting there telling my story the whole hour and I'm not even making any progress. 
Well, congratulations. You just realized it. And I welcome you to be triggered and to go find out the source of that trigger and like go down there and heal that thing. So, cause there's like a whole, like when you open the door out of that dark dismal room that you, you know, you're spending time in, there's like a whole sunshine outside. There's like butterflies, there's a rainbow, there's like mountains, there's adventures. There's like so much to explore outside of that dark little tunnel of suffering. Like there's just so much. So, and I want everybody to find that eventually in this lifetime before you pass away and come, have to come back in, you know, let's not redo karma. Let's just solve it and move on. I'm of that opinion now, (laughs) Dr. Sharon. So, well, cool. So you also have a free offer burnout checklist, and I'm going to put a link in the uh, show notes so you guys can download the, the burnout checklist and see if you're on the verge of burnout. You should know that pretty quick. Go check that out. And in the meantime, is there anything else you want to share before we close out and uh, give everybody kisses? (laughs) Well, the reason I created the burnout checklist is because one of the things that I've found as I started doing this work is that people don't always connect the dots. So they might feel exhausted and think, you know, I need to buy a new mattress. Or they might feel really resentful and irritable and they're like, I just need, I just need some time away from work. But when you start to realize that a lot of the symptoms that you are experiencing are part of the burnout journey, the sooner you realize it, the sooner you can start to actually focus on burnout specific solutions rather than just find something that, as we say, keeps you in that surface level. So I think it's a really important thing for you to be able to have more insight into your experience and what you're feeling and then know based on that what you need to focus your energy on. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a shadow check, shadow list check. I like that. That's good. Until you know it, until you see it, you can't do anything with it. So you have to take a look. That's the only thing. It's like that. My my first uh, mentor said uh, her analogy was that closet that's stuffed so full and you don't want to open it and you like just like throw the last thing in and close the door. But in order to heal, you actually have to open the closet door and take everything out and take a look at it and see if it belongs in there or not. It's tedious. It's dense. It's sometimes sticky icky. But like it's until you do that, you know, you just keep living the same way. And if you weren't happy yesterday living that way, you're probably not going to be happy tomorrow living that way. So might as well just get in there and roll your sleeves up and dig that closet out (laughs) and see what's in there. Yeah. And I want to offer that sometimes that can feel really overwhelming. But you don't have to dig the entire closet out all at once. And you also don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah, right? don't do it by yourself if you don't need to, because it's better with a friend. It's better with a friend. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to give kisses now. Before I give you guys kisses, though, and Dr. Sharon's going to join me if she wants, I want to remind you, and I know I say this every week, and you're like, yeah, we already know this, Carrie Hummingbird. But if you share it out, it's really helpful. If you can like and share and subscribe and all the things, then it just tells those computer engines that this is important to you and that maybe it'll be important to other people just like you. And so if you don't engage, then they don't know that. And uh, we really want this message to get out because I don't like watching people go through burnout and when it's not necessary. I don't, I don't like watching people suffer when it's not necessary. If they're ready for a solution, like I was ready, let's make the way, you know? So thanks for sharing it out. Okay, here comes the kisses, everybody. and we love you and we'll see you next week on soul nectar show bye for now everybody if you found even one gold nugget in this episode of soul nectar show 
Will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of the nectar From the source of who you are